Hello and welcome this week to Talking Flutes Extra with me, Jean-Paul Wright. Created by Lorenzo Brewer in London, Encoda, and I'll spell that for you, N-K-O-D-A.com, is a digital sheet music streaming platform which gives you unlimited access to sheet music. It caters for all abilities in a global interactive social environment, and we'll explore that a bit later. Provides intuitive search facilities for you, especially as flute players. Encoder also allows you to add markings to your study and music. Now, that's really important to remember, which can be shared with somebody else. But not only somebody else, but a group of you, or even the whole universe. So I'm delighted to tell you that with me today in their London offices is the creator and founder, Lorenzo Brewer. Hello, Lorenzo. Hello, thank you so much for having me. Right. Thank you for coming to do this here. Oh, no. I'd I appreciate l- you making the trip down. <laughs> I love it. It's raining outside. Yeah, well, it's in London, so this is a necessary hazard, right? It's, well, it, it always is, but um, we've had quite a, an average summer compared to last year. It could have been much worse, I agree. Can I just say, but when I first got the email from Tom, I looked at Encoder. I must admit I was unaware, personally unaware, um, because my life takes me in different directions. And, well, I was so keen to find out more. And so I signed up. And for me, this is a game changer, which is why I was so keen to come down and speak to you more about this, because everybody can benefit with this app. Every musician, no wonder what age, what ability. It is fantastic. So in your own words, because I think I might have overcomplicated it here, especially for those that aren't necessarily English-speaking as first language, what is Encoder? So Encoder is basically Spotify for sheet music. Mm-hmm. I think when we need a shorthand for how it is we describe the thing that we built over the past four years, I mean, that's really what it is that we call it because it's a subscription platform in the same way that you you know, may have for your, your films or for your music or for anything else. But it's for your, for your sheet music. It's for the scores and parts that you play. And yeah, that, that the core foundation of it is a subscription service to access the materials that you use to make music. Let's talk about you very briefly, because to come up with the concept of Encoder, you must be a musician. Yeah, I, I mean, my big interest was not so much in playing, but in writing. So I was a, I was a composer. I mean, I think that there's, there's an interesting journey for me about sort of my, the interrelationship for me and the score, mm. which was that I started learning music fairly late, I would say. I mean, I was 11 or 12. Oh. And, I, and, and I heard the Chopin Nocturne number 15, which is a very important piece for me. Probably kind of like the sort of foundational moment where my life changed in the direction of being interested in music. Yeah. And um, I remember looking at the music afterwards and trying to understand how is it that one made sense of what was there on the page. So my relationship with sheet music is quite strong because of that. So I love music. I love the way it looks. I love the fact that there's a kind of language which is translated. And my um, old composition teacher, Raymond Yu, who is a composer here in London, was obsessed with collecting music um, and had an enormous library, a huge, I mean, kind of insane, considering that the most of his flat was sort of taken up by billions of books which sort of lay on shelves. And he kind of got me into this habit of thinking about owning music and making music, making, making music through an understanding of what it was that was on the page. And at a certain point, it became obvious to me that musicians were using digital more and more, um, but that there wasn't a place that aggregated this content. And I kind of, Encoder is founded basically on the principle of access. So the idea that anyone anywhere should be able to, to, to be able to play, practice, perform, or learn any music they want to. Um, and 
And that was something that when I was younger, I would have loved to have access to. And I think it's something that takes away the limit from the individual in terms of what it is that they can do with the music they make. So the genesis of the seed, when did that start of Encoder itself? I, I mean, I, the company was founded, I was 20, I think. Yeah, 20, I would have been 20. But probably a couple of months before, I kind of just, it sort of just clicked in my head. I don't think that I was probably the first person to have the idea that there should be a subscription service for sheet music. But it felt logical. I mean, a lot of a lot of building a company is about luck, right? It's about being in the right place at the right time. And I think probably there'd been enough growth in subscription industries that the publishers that we worked with and musicians were willing to make this transition to a different kind of kind of use of the music. So how do you start? I mean, where do you start? I mean, the you're talking sheet music. We're not talking uh, a game that you're creating. You're talking about taking millions or thousands and potentially millions of narratives millions of stories Mm. in little dots with sticks in books and putting them and streaming them yeah making them available so how do you start well you start again by being very lucky i think actually um and maybe this is a stupid point but it's true i think you probably start by being naive and it's some of the most important things is just to think that it's possible to do it because if I look back, if knowing what I know, what we had to go through to get here now, of course I would do it again, but I would have had a much greater understanding of just how many challenges we were going to have along the way. Um, but you start by being lucky enough, as I was, to find an amazing co-founder, so Sundar, who's our CTO, and um, John Sanderson, who's a, who's, a, who's a board member here, who introduced you to different, or introduced me to different people or concepts that allowed us to begin the process of building the app. And I think Encoder's founded with something which is the other way around, which is that we didn't start with the idea of building an app first. We started with the idea of aggregating the content because the thesis is that that's uh, where the value right. is. Yes. So I think then you start with the publishers by going to talk to them about what it is that you want to build with them. Well, I'm sat opposite a very good-looking guy that doesn't have any grey hair yet. <laughs> but Tom isn't sitting next to you, though. He's just over there in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> So challenges along the way, but you've managed to overcome them by looking differently, by being bloody-minded, being really focused, or just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I think probably the answer to that question is, in 99% of cases, it's not to do with one person. It's to do with the people that you have around you. Yeah. And, you know obviously people are very big on entrepreneur narratives which put one person at the center of you know like the building of something or the the making of something Um, but for me the most important thing is to have a group of people who are singularly focused on achieving a goal and in the end collective effort towards the solution tends to be the way that you come out the other side but the collective effort amongst I would gather musicians Mm. is Quite challenging when you're coming up with a completely new concept. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I think, for me, I have this belief that if you have a con- something you want to achieve, you have a group of people who believe in it, and you have a structure which is, uh, you know, a management structure that, that supports those things, alignment, the success will come. So you, you're not looking necessarily for someone with a particular skill set, but I guarantee you, if you go upstairs and you talk to the people who are in that room, that there is very little they wouldn't sacrifice to make this a reality because they believe fundamentally in what it is that we're doing. And I imagine all those upstairs are exactly like me, have box loads and box loads of music. 
that are catalogued quite nicely in one room. Yeah. And then you want to play a piece and then or a tutor. I mean I have personally I have my normal warm up routines, but when I go away, I've either got to take lots of music with me or I don't take it because it weighs me down. Or if I go into my bedroom, I'm thinking, right, now, where is that? Mm. Um, so I, I totally got where this app came, uh, comes from. And for me, having only just, only just subscribed to it, and I've only ever used physical printed media before for practice and performances, mm. just because I thought I liked the smell. I still like the smell of old scores, and I still like that smell. But some piece of music I've got have been over-scribbled, especially Bach, mm, some Bach studies, yeah. over-scribbled by so many different people. And they've all got different... Some of the teachers I've had have all got different things to say, yeah. some contrary to others. So they've crossed that out and they've put something else in. So the music be, tends to become quite tatty. Yeah. The app sort of solved it mm. because if that one person was taking that Bach piece, they could write notate over the top. And if I went to another teacher or another player and they said, no, 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 do this, you then can put a layer on that yeah. it is it's genius. So can you take the listeners through just a few? I mean, there are so many features. You just have to try it, chaps and ladies. Uh, some of the many features I've already found. Right, the huge library of music, because I know this is Talking Flutes podcast, but not only do you sign up and you can get a huge, great array of um, flute pieces... And I'm currently logged in now, and here we go. And you have a choice. You have beginner flute music, you have intermediate flute music, you have advanced flute music, you have orchestral music, you have premieres, you have... Oh, there's just so many areas for flute players, flute players alone. But the app, once you're subscribed, you don't just have access to flute, do you? No, you have access to absolutely everything. I mean, we're really keen and we're really proud of this thing that we launched recently, which is personalised curation. So when you signed up, you would have said, I'm a flute player and, you know, I play in a group or I play on my own. Um, and then what, what we do is we begin to build music for you. So whether you teach, we can offer you teaching materials. Whether you're just starting out, we can offer you materials which are right for you. And, and a big part of that, I think, or something that we've always been really keen on and definitely as collectively we believe in is empowering people to go and find things, new things and new music. So to not feel like, oh, I've been given this piece by my teacher and this is what I'm going to play the next six months no look, go, and, go and find new things explore new genres um, be more adventurous about what it is that you can do music that's harder to get access to you can suddenly have it and so people are playing music they might never have played before and in that sense all of that is about you know encouraging people to have a more active relationship with music and to be more inspired to go and do more new things I mean the layers thing is really interesting it's something that that has been fascinating for us because when we built it we, we thought of it as a kind of set of annotations obviously but this year, Joyce Donato, who uh, has a concert in December doing the Winterizer with Yannick Zenit Seguin, who's oh, yeah. the new director of the Met, she learned the whole of the Winterizer on Encoder. And um, what she did, when it was fascinating talking to her about it, was she put everything in different layers. So she had interpretation, she had diction, she had dynamics, and she could turn them on and off as she was practicing and learning it. One of the things about her interpretation of the Winterizer is it's very, very original. And the fact that, that, that we could aid her in that, because she said, you know, my interaction with the music is much deeper because I can have all this flexibility. It was something that we never anticipated. So you can annotate on the score and put it in layers and hopefully that, you know, it helps you interact with the music in new ways. You can make playlists, so lists of music. 
that are aggregated. So if you're a student or a teacher, you can share those things together. You can upload your own music into the app as well. You can save it offline to play it. I mean, one of the big things about Encoder, which I, I, I hope your amazing audience of flute players will appreciate, is that we don't just have uh, sheet music that you would buy in a shop. We have all the rental materials. So if you want to play the flute part from Petrushka, you can, or a glass symphony, or John Adams, um, or if, you know, uh, uh, like me, you're a big fan of Salvatore Chirino, who's written some fantastic flute music, I think. All of that's available as well. So the kind of opportunity for what's possible, using the tools and using the content, I hope, is something that every different kind of musician can, can, can kind of gravitate towards and appreciate. Well, as most musicians and those that listen to this will appreciate, playing a piece of music, you're not just playing a note. You're trying to tell a story to the listener, whether it be on a streaming service or whether it be in a recital or in a concert performance. And that requires multi-layered approach. And my, some of my music, and I certainly when I look at some of my colleagues, they are completely annotated. So you have expression marks, you have uh, reminder marks. Mm. The, th the great thing with the layers I'm, I'm just beginning to experience is that you can put one, you can have an emotional layer. Yeah. So you can explain what emotion you want at certain parts in that music, and you can just click that layer on to remind you. And then you can put your reminder parts, you can put your breathing parts, and you can, it's, it's just something that makes everything easy. Yeah. And I think a big part of what it is that we're trying to do is remove friction. So I think, you know, and I've said this before, but I really believe it. And it's something which even through the hardest parts of this process, I'm committed to, which I think musicians are amazing. And I think that when you give them the tools to do things, they do extraordinary things because humans are mind blowing. And so a lot of taking away the friction is about that. It's about empowering people to do extraordinary things. And it's a banal thing, right? Like a, a layer of annotation, right? So why should it be a big deal? <laughs> but hopefully it does exactly what you say. And it means people, you know, push the boundaries further and they, do, they, they find new ways of interacting with the music. Well, for me, it, it just enables me to, and again, I'm just new to it. It's enabled me to actually try and understand more music mm. because I'm, I can look at it a multi-layered approach. Yeah, yeah. Rather than, because music is, again, we said it's about telling a story. Mm. And that story, it, it, what you've created, almost encourages you to look within the notes, within the piece, that is created by that composer. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope that's true. I'm very, it's, it's a, yeah, it's the nicest thing for me about this process, personally, is when you see a musician using the app or you hear someone like you talking about it because that is, you know, four years ago that was a, a dream. And today, to be able to meet someone who's been using it in that way and feels that way, is, it's immensely rewarding. Right. One piece, one part of it, that I know is going to be of great joy to everybody, is the ability to market. Yeah. Explain what, I mean, I can explain, but from the creator and part of the team, marking music, which we all do. We all, we all put funny faces on it, or we all sort of, uh, we, we, we like to mess around. Yeah. I mean, I think that that there's a very important element of personalization that happens when you interact with a piece of sheet music. And by that I mean the level of interaction that you have is completely different. So it's not passive consumption, it's active consumption. So anything that we did had to be reflective of that need for, for active consumption, for interaction. So the annotation tools we built, we kind of have three. We're about to release a new set of preset symbols and dynamic symbols. It means you're able to click and drag things into the score. 
more easily. We have a, a, an, a machine learning annotation tool that means you can draw something and it'll be converted into annotated, annotated text. We had to have a free drawing tool because, as you say, musicians are very keen on writing offensive things into pieces of music and we had to give them some facility to do that. I've done that. By yeah, the way. Exactly. that's what I thought. I think it was the first thing that, you know, when we had the early builds and you'd hand, hand it over to a musician, it would the first, you know, there'd be some not necessarily appropriate object drawn into the school. I've so, done it and I've sent it on. Yeah, it's exactly, exactly. It's an important part of the process. So I guess all we were trying to do is is recreate or embrace that sensation that you get when you had a piece of physical paper, but just again with these kinds of new ad added values that we could give because of the technology. So when you're playing along the piece of music, you tell me how you change the page. So there's two ways. Um, you can tap at the bottom, bottom right or left. You can flick to turn the page, and then you can also use a foot pedal, yeah. which is the most, I think, the most loved approach. Absolutely. One of the really interesting things, for example, we found this, I mean, on the subject of page turning, from chamber musicians, for example, is they like playing from full scores. Yes. And it's something that they've never been able to do before, right? Because it's just been completely impractical. But with a foot pedal and with encoder, more and more people are going to begin playing from full scores, I think, for anything with six parts or less. Because it gives you an overview of the music that you maybe don't necessarily have if you only have one part. Oh, the hell of conductors. Um, because obviously some conductors like the huge, yeah. voluminous sheet. Uh, As do I. Like. I've got some of those in my house. I know exactly, yeah. How have you had any reaction from composers sort of looking on a smaller? Obviously, you can use a, that big iPad, can't you? I mean, I think a lot of it's about facility. For example, I mean, um, you know, we don't work work with him directly, but I, I know Daniel Harding uses an iPad all the time for the, for, for the work that he does, um, and I think lots of lots of conductors understand that what it is that we're doing is important. It may be there's a practical moment when they want to have a larger, larger, larger score, but. Um, you know, the ability for a conductor to be able to look up what a part is like compared to the score, for example, and, and you know, kind of embrace that sort of deeper level of interaction, mm -hmm. uh, I think is what they, the value that they find in the service. Well, I know Sasamim Russell has been very complimentary about what you, you've created. Yeah. Well, I'm, it's been a huge pleasure to, I mean, more than just obviously the honour of him being very nice about Encoder, being able to hang out with him. And, and chat a bit. I mean, I have to say, the first time that I met him, <laughs> I spent most of my time talking about, and this was a year ago, so it was before Liverpool won the Champions League final, but he and I are both, my dad is Liverpoolian, Scouse, and obviously Simon grew up in Liverpool, yes. so there's a kind of, there's a Scouse connection. So we spent most of our time talking about Liverpool winning the semi-final of the Champions League against Roma, rather than about sheet music. But since then, our, our conversation obviously occasionally diverts back to music. Well, that creates the rapport, doesn't it? Oh yeah, well, Liverpool always creates a rapport. In in fact, I have this. You see this never I give have. up. Yeah, yeah. Mo Salah t-shirt. This is it's his. I haven't had the chance to give it to him yet, but you know, celebration of winning big number six in Madrid this year is. Uh, yeah, to the left of Lorenzo is a black t-shirt with the huge words "Never Give Up Madrid 19." Yeah. When L Liverpool won the European Champions League for the sixth time, just in case, in case your <laughs> listeners need to know, six, six, six times. Um, one thing also found interesting was you can look at other people's practice lists. Yeah, well, this is a big, I mean, this is, again, part of that whole concept of sharing yeah. with the music. And playlists, I think, are an amazing part of that. And I, it's been so fantastic when we get feedback from teachers who are like, you know, I have a grade two student, whether they're learning the flute or the guitar or the violin, and they can make a practice list for them, which isn't the standard repertoire, which is they have to play for their grades, for example. It's just something which they can explore. And um, seeing the kind of joy that it gives gives their kids as the students but then also all the way up to conservatoire level and further right being having access to 
you know, whether it's a, a famous flute player or just someone who, you know, you follow on social media who is engaged in that world, like, you know, like yourself, being able to make lists and share it with people, I think is something that's really powerful because you can say, look, this is how I play this or these are things that I play or this is if I want to warm up, this is I do this or that. And that, I, another community of learning and environment of, is, is, you know, being built. And for you flutes out there, um, yes, you can find Leduc publishing stuff on this app. So the Moe studies the T and G. It's all here. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, that, that's it's, it's very interesting for me. For example, you know, French publishing is something that I, having not learned a lot of the, a, a kind of not having gone through a standard learning of of any of the kind of apart from the piano, uh, I didn't realize just how how deep that catalogue is and how important it is. You know, for 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 all these kind of different instrumental types. And so obviously, it's a, it's we're really pleased to be able to bring it to people. To give you a greater understanding, what it would mean is that if you're teaching, as you say, a grade two student, you could have the music up on, on your iPad, you can notate it for them, and then you can then send it to mm. them. Because all children seem to be e-savvy. Yeah. So you can send them the music with all the notations and the bits you want to practice and how to practice, and it, it seems to be the way forward. It seems to be the one that you're embracing technology with something that is really old and you're bringing it to the future generations and then just allowing it, as you say, functionality and sharing. Yeah, I mean, it's, what's interesting about this thing of, you know, obviously sheet music is an old medium, but what's been interesting about working with the publishing partners has been, I think, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of will and desire and energy in that industry to be, to be modern um, and because lots of amazing people actually work in it. So... I think that, that that transition was kind of all, already taking place. Mm. But I think it's really important that music, particularly because it, we are in the process of fighting for our own existence, right, as, as a kind of art form in the sense that, you know, that people don't necessarily think that classical music is particularly important or that it should be part of an education curriculum. So I think that it's really important that there are, inside the world of that industry, a push towards saying, no, it can be modern, it can be interactive, it can be for anyone, it can be accessible. And, and I think, you know, making it available on any kind of digital platform is an important part of that, removing the restrictions. It doesn't matter where you are in the world or who you are. For 10 quid a month, you can get access to all of these things, or $10 or 10 euros, or whatever. The accessibility factor for me is the, was the big wow. Because if you want some music, you either have to send for it yeah. and wait for it to come through, and that is costly, especially when you're talking French publications. Yeah. And as you say, for the subscription, you just have access immediately. Yeah. And I, and I, I think, so this is a strange thing, and I, I, maybe it doesn't make sense, but my kind of ultimate desire for Encoder is that in 10 years, 20 years, that there will be people who have grown up with access to this medium who can have come from spaces that aren't necessarily traditional spaces of music making, either socially or, you know, on a country-by-country country basis, but who through this were enabled in some way to make music in a way which is powerful and meaningful to them. And access is the fundamental principle there. I would totally agree because in many countries the access to music is actually very expensive for a lot yeah. of people. Yeah, exactly. And they can be playing on instruments that aren't necessarily very well made, mm. but that is all they can necessarily they could afford. Yeah. But that isn't where it stops. 
actually the purchase of music is just as expensive, if not more, yeah, because over time, you're over time. Yeah. yeah. So that is where this is really going to change a lot of lives, certainly in Eastern Bloc countries that I'm yeah, very aware of. Perf- that's a perfect example, right? Like I would love for there to be a day where we get to meet someone who went, who was able through this medium to then, you know, be the musician that they wanted to be. To, I mean, to take away the limitations of where it is that you come from, who it is you are, what it is that you look like, where you're born, and to empower people. And I hope that we're doing that. From what I've seen, and for four years, for a baby that's still four years old, <laughs> you've grown so quickly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I guess that is also um, because people have responded to the project. So in the end, that is, we just have to thank the people who subscribe to the app, who use the app. The app's used in more than 120 countries today. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how excited I was when I got when we got our subscriber in El Salvador. It was one of you know my uh, favorite moments. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's really it's down to the musicians in the end. And I think all we are is a tool to empower them, you, to do your work. And of course, each and every one of you out there is unique. You have a unique way of looking at a sheet music, looking at a score. You have a unique way of playing. You have a unique unique way of performing. And the joy of this is that that uniqueness. It's, sort of me- it's meeting another unique medium. Mm. And you put the two together and the accessibility and the ability to layer, to notate, annotate, you have this powerful construct. Yeah, well, I hope, I hope that the people who listen to this go and try it and find that for themselves. You have a fabulous 14-day free trial. Yes, we do, we do. Um, we have a free trial on the App Store, so you can go and download it. I mean, Encoder is, is on iOS, it's also on Android as well. Um, which was a kind of, and, and Windows, was a big part of what it is that we decided to do was also make sure that it was available cross-platform. It goes back to this thing about access. I mean, lots of people in, in developing countries aren't necessarily using only one platform. They're all different kinds of devices that yes. are being used, so making sure that it was accessible to everyone. And, um, yeah, you can try it for free. And you can then purchase it on a yearly basis, which is obviously cheaper than buying it on a monthly basis. Yeah, you can purchase it. It's a ninety nine ninety nine a year or nine ninety nine a month. Yep. And, and obviously each local currency is, is different. But. And how do you see the future? Because I say you're four years old. You've touched on how you'd like to see it in 20 years, but how can you see, how can you see the, the growth? Because it is potentially huge. Because you, as, you, as you say, you are the Spotify. And when I first looked at it, I thought, okay, it's subscription for music. But then I looked, what do I subscribe to? Well, I subscribe to Spotify. I subscribe to Netflix. I subscribe to uh, Sky each month for the sport Mm. and the films. And I think, well, do I subscribe to the most important thing that I do in my life, which is music? No. So really, what you're offering is actually such value for money. So how would you see it, sort of? Are you just going to keep going with composers and just keep going? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we we will continue to grow the catalogue. I mean, we're constantly bringing in new music, which I think is exciting. I am looking forward to this year doing more work with the artist partners that we have, you know, producing educational content, which people can have access to, which we've already done with a, with a bunch of them as well, producing content for composers. Sure. You know, masterclasses, things like that, which we can offer. Um, I mean, I'm very keen to try and create a record um, of the kind of living composers and some of their thoughts on some of the great topics, which I don't think exists today. Um, and I'd like, I'd like us to, 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 to do that. Um, and actually, it's, you know, people like you. It's places like this. It's talking to people so that they know that it exists and then them talking to people that they know so that they know that it exists. And um, I think 
if we stick by our principles um, of building this for musicians, we continue uh, on the path that we are in terms of the things that we believe in. I think people will pick the app up and they'll use it and they'll find the value that you talk about. And will you be staying as sheet music only or will you be willing to in the future sort of deviate off into sort of, I won't say play-alongs because that's a bit trite, isn't it? But, um, you know, in, as in examples of the music that's being played, especially new music. Yeah, this is a really interesting point. I mean, for us, one of the things that, that was a founding principle of the product was this idea of if we create something and we give it to people, they will tell us what it is that they want. Um, so the core product is about access to the music. And um, and I think one of the things people would like to have, yeah, is more access to audio in the, in the app, which is something that we're planning on building in. Um, and, you know, some, some more learning and practicing tools as well, which we're planning on building. I mean, I would like my aim for the, for, for the, for, for the app has always been to make Encoder synonymous with the act of making music. Yes. So in the same way that when you want to search something on the internet, you go to Google and you want to buy something, you go to Amazon. I want you to think, oh, I need to learn, you know, that piece of Poulonk. I'm going to go to Encoder. And why do you go? Oh, because it's there, but also because those tools are the best in the world. Um, and that's really what I think we'll be aiming for. And how about encouraging composition? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is something that, I mean, for me, this is obviously a passion. But I think, I mean, to get, to get, to get a bit kind of... Um, Philosophical. I think that what will happen with the globalization of access is there'll be a more global language of music. Yeah. And I think that's really exciting. Absolutely. So, you know, as a composer for, for, for me and, and for, for people who work for us, but also when you talk to people, they, the opportunity to learn is so extraordinary, right? You don't have a limit. And debris music is expensive to buy. And, you know, I have a collection at home of, I don't know, 700, 800 pieces of music, but, you know, it was hard earned. And, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, it, 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 that was the limit of what it was that I could study, um, unless you know, go to the British Library and sit in the rare books and music room and, and you know, like, take out ten things a day and just try and absorb them as much as possible. But I think this will encourage composition, will encourage more diverse composition, and I hope that because of the way the business model functions, so the lack of having to print and things like that, that uh, that it also encourage publishers to take on maybe more composers or to find different ways of of giving composers access. Um, because there'll be a, a way for them to, to give their music to people um, and at the same time, you know, not incur the significant kind of um, risks of having to have a composer on their books. Because that's the hard thing for composer, getting your music out there, mm. getting your music played. Yeah, and I, I hope this will help to change that, absolutely. Lorenzo, thank you very much for taking time out of your very busy schedule. No, thank you. Thank <laughs> very you busy schedule. Me. I love your premises. I'm going to have to venture back out into the... Rain London again. rain. But I have my red umbrella. You have your red umbrella. Oh, it's been my pleasure. I am going to be looking forward to continuing my journey with Encoder. Uh, where can we find Encoder on social media? Um, we can find Encoder on Instagram as under Encoder and on Facebook under Encoder. On, in fact, all platforms under Encoder. Except for Instagram, which is at Encoder Music. Ah, Encoder Music. Yeah. And don't forget, it's Encoder with a K. Yeah, N-K-O-D-A. N-K-O-D-A. In fact, I'm sure you can make a little little, little jingle out of oh, that. We, 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 all of the, the radio advertising I've ever done has had to emphasize spelling the name. I often ask myself why, why I made the choice, because it was evidently maybe not the best one. It was, because it's different, and I think anything that is different stands out. Oh, well, I'm pleased that, you, pleased that you feel that way. Oh, Lorenzo, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for yours. 
And thank you for listening, everybody. We look forward to welcoming you back next week to Talking Flutes Extra. So until then, take care and may your fluty week be wonderful. Goodbye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.